Hello everybody and welcome to Season 2, Episode 5 of the Fraserburgh Cricket Club Chronicles. I am your host Andrew Henderson and this time around you're not going to get the same sort of spiel from me as you usually do before we go into the interview because, well, I'm the one being interviewed so you're going to hear more than enough of my voice anyway. Uh, This was something that I'd thought about doing for a little while, trying to encourage or convince other people to be interviewed for the podcast. I realised at one point I should probably put my story where my mouth was and do one of these myself to show other people. It's not too scary. Uh, It was a little bit weird for me to be on the other side of the questions, but hey-ho, that comes with the territory for things like this. And it's a familiar face for any regular listeners of the podcast asking the questions this time around, because I actually brought this up when I did the end of season review last year with Paul O'Neill. And when I mentioned it to him, he said, yep, sure, I'll ask you the questions. So... We eventually sat down, got it done, and that's what you're about to hear. Here is my own interview episode of the Fraserburgh Cricket Club Chronicles. Okay, Andrew, so um, let's start at the beginning, shall we? I don't mean your birth. We'll we'll skip that at the moment. So I'm keen to understand kind of what your first memories of cricket were, Andrew. How did you get into the sport? I remember when I was a little, I don't even know how old I was, uh, but I remember when I was a little kid, my dad used to watch it. So it, it was one of those things he would watch pretty much any sport. So I was aware of cricket. I, you know, I had that familiarity with it. It was on the TV and admit that I didn't always pay a huge amount of attention <laughs> to what was on the TV at the time. <laughs> Usually I was only really interested if I saw it was the fourth innings of a test match. It was like such and yeah. such to win or so many wickets needed. Um, yeah. The 2020 generation, you got to love it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but it, it was always there. You know, it, it was always mm. a thing. And uh, I don't know exactly when we did it if I'd already started coming down to the club but we did used to go out the back garden and, and play backyard cricket with the tennis ball and with the bin mm. and you know be me my dad and my brother out there and the, the whole thing would just be you know land the ball on the grass basically because we had a bit of concrete yeah. a bit of grass so you could land it on the grass without whoever's there the fielder catching it you got a point or you got runs or however uh, yeah you know however we did it there was a, a proper wee game we had going um, but in terms of actually playing it and, and taking it somewhat seriously, I suppose, uh, Alan Rennie did used to come around the primary schools, as I think we've heard in, in other episodes, and do training sessions with PE classes. And I always remember thinking, because I had, I think, a bit of awareness of cricket where a lot of other people didn't, I'm actually really enjoying this. I kind of know what I'm doing. I have an idea of, <laughs> of I have a bit of an advantage, if you like. And I'm quite a competitive person so that was always quite a good thing for me but it was like I can do this better than some of these other people I'm I'm not bad at this I don't know why but for some reason I never then went down to practices I never went down to the youth training I'm sure Alan always mentioned it and always tried to plug it but it just never it would be something I would think oh I should go and do that and then never actually do um, right. and I don't really know why I can't explain that and that it was it wasn't until a few years later that I actually did come down to the club and it, it was a complete chance thing really where I was this is going to make us sound really posh and anybody that knows Fraser will know that's definitely not the case at the academy at that time we had a radio station where we'd go and play music at breaks and at lunch times and yeah. I was really involved with that and I was in there every day and Ross Smith came to the door one day I, I don't know if it was just one of those things that guys were knocking the door running away or if he actually wanted us to play a song or what it was he kind of stuck his head around the door and saw I was playing a cricket 
game online on one of the computers. Right. I was like, oh, you like cricket? And I kind of ran away, but he came and talked to me afterwards, like, you should come down. And I knew Ryan Duthie as well. He was in some of my classes. And I think the two of them kind of ganged up on me a little bit and was like, you should come down. And eventually, I don't even know how long it was it took, but eventually I did. And I went down to the youth training and I think I was about 13 then, which feels like such a long time ago. And I probably was <laughs> absolutely terrible at it at first. But um, I, I feel like I might have answered more than your question. It wasn't just how I, my first experiences of cricket, it's how I got into the club as well. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> but, but that's that, that's kind of, it's interesting that everybody's journey into getting to the, even to club cricket is different. You're, yeah. you're talking about, I mean, you know, for me, it was like in the backyard, even playing my own. That sounds really sad, doesn't it? But I mean, I lived in the country, so I didn't have any friends. Um, but yours is, yeah, everybody gets into the game for different reasons, first of all. Um, and then things like, as you said, your dad, that sort of thing, playing in the backyard, and then it progresses. I mean, and if I'm right in saying this, it, it might be similar to a lot of other people's experiences over the last 20, 25 years. There was no cricket at the academy for you, was there? there was a, no. Was there no I, outlet that way? Absolutely nothing. Um, I don't even think, the closest we probably got was rounders, which obviously isn't cricket. Yeah. <laughs> and it's quite different to cricket in a lot of ways but you know that was the only thing that was vaguely similar um once I got involved at the club there, we did have some discussions about reintroducing it to the academy and you know I, th I think at one point myself Ryan maybe Ross as well were going to run sessions after school it just never came off I mean there's always been that thing with the schools that it's the time isn't it it's the time and effort yeah. it takes and yeah. the teachers just don't have it to to go and, and yeah. start this whole new sport and and all these extra things. Thankfully, that's starting to change now. And we, we are starting to get a bit more involvement, I think, with schools. But now at the time, there's absolutely nothing other than the occasional games that we were playing online that were vaguely yeah. cricket-related. Yeah, and, and as you said, there's a lot more younger cricket going on. I forget what it's called. Quick. I mean, for my time, it was quick cricket, but now it's all-stars and things like that. And, and it's the same names coming up. With like Alan, um, you know, Alan Rennie's done some amazing work with the club and it, with the youngsters over the last, you know, 10, 15, 20 years now. Um, and it's interesting hearing you say, because I was going to say, how did you become aware of phrase for cricket club? You know what I mean? Because we know cricket's not the biggest sport in the northeast of Scotland. But from your perspective, it's great to hear that people like Alan and Ryan and doing that sort of work that was your introduction that kind of natural progression to the club I suppose was it yeah and I mean again the way Alan came around and did the sessions at school I mean I would have been primary five primary six sort of age mm. so I don't really remember not being aware of the club but I, for some reason I just never actually went down but I know years after I started playing, just before I left school, I was talking to people I was in classes with who still didn't know the club was there. Um, so yep. I, I was maybe the exception to that because I did have that awareness of the sport in general and vaguely was occasionally watching stuff in the background and, and knew some of the players' names. So maybe that stood out to me a little bit more. I don't know. Hmm. And with that transition, you're talking about being 13, 14 then, um, and 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 through the the youth cricket, what was that transition to kind of the adult sort of uh, team in phrase? Well, what did that look like for you, and what what's your memories of that? Or... See, um, this is where I might be starting to mix up years <laughs> a little bit because 
I did absolutely no research for this. I meant to go back and check when things like my first team debut was and yeah, yeah. completely ran out of time. But I seem to remember it was the same summer I actually started playing youth cricket that towards the okay. end, of, very end of the season, they were short on numbers and asked if I was willing to take up a bit of space, basically, in the yeah. team, which I guess was just because I starting that bit later in the youth team was one of the older ones and maybe wasn't as scared of the ball. Um, yeah, you know, I think it was that same year. The next year was probably something similar, you know, maybe the odd game here or there just taking up a bit of space. It probably wasn't until I was actually 15, 16, that I started playing fairly regularly, or at least being in contention fairly regularly in, in senior yeah. cricket. And by that point, we'd been doing indoor sessions in Peterhead, which I was coming along to mm. and starting to meet more of you guys in the main team, first team, and interacting with more of you. So it, it felt like a really smooth process. You know, yeah. it, it certainly wasn't a, there's this team and there's that team because the coaches we had in the quote-unquote youth team, I mean, we didn't have a team because occasionally go through and play with Alan and make up the numbers for them. Um, but the coaches we had were Alan Rennie, Fraser Lawrence, mm. Craig Parkin, who were first team players anyway. So by the time we yeah. actually got into the first team squad, we already knew half the guys there. You know, it, yeah. it made it, I think, quite easy for us at that point to move into that environment, I think. I think that's really good. And I think that's one of the bonuses Fraserburgh Club has because I've, I've been at bigger clubs, for example. I have two, three, four teams and then a youth team as well. And it, maybe it feels like um, a bigger jump between one from youth to the third team to the second team. Well, we don't have that luxury, but in a way that plays very well into integrating youngsters into it. We just throw them in and they, uh, and I think most, most of the youngsters enjoy that. Um, but on that note, when, when you're saying you're 14, 15, 16 then and, and playing for our first team in the grades, it would have been grade two at the time. What was your first impressions then of, of adult cricket and the dressing room and the and the, shall I say the banter and things like that? What was the kind of first impressions you had? And the biggest thing was probably just I wasn't very good. <laughs> I was I wasn't scoring many runs. I wasn't getting a ball. You know, I was fielding fine leg to fine leg most of the time before graduating that little bit to square leg. Um, I mean, anybody who starts off and has only played for a year or two, I guess, is going to be in that position. And anybody who's 14, 15, 16 playing the first games of senior cricket, I guess, is going to be in that position unless they played from when they were like two and, you know, were prodigies. So, um, yeah, it's, it's it, cricket's kind of like that, though, isn't it? When you first start, especially when you're young, because you it's almost like that initiation test that sort of prove yourself, you know, running fine leg, fine leg. Mainly it's because the older guys like me just don't want to do all that running. But I mean, but that, that's part of it in a way. It's part of that initiation sort of thing. And and I think the flip side to that is, as you said, you know, if you're not doing much, it's 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 it can be a very boring sport. It's it's not the most lively sport anyway. But then if you're not batting and bowling a lot, then 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 I think that's when it, you know, it's really important you've got the right captain, the team around. You know, that that tells you look hold on it's not always going to be like this you know prove yourself sort of thing and, and you'll start being more involved uh, can you remember your first game uh what you did who you were playing against anything at all would be handy uh i mean i think so i might be wrong i'd probably have to go back and check but i, I want to say it was against metlick because i'm pretty sure Stuart anderson caught me i'm, Doing I'm pretty what? sure <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just went and died for a run. He caught me in midair. No, <laughs> oh, that's a that's a nice moment. <laughs> it's a real bonding moment. No, I, 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 
I, I remember I batted with Barry Barry. I don't know if he was in before me or I was in before him. Who else was in the team? Anything like that. I remember I, I, I think I nicked one through the slips for four, which, you know, <laughs> I felt like I was on top of the world because I'd scored a boundary. Yes, get in there. <laughs> I think I even gave some of, I guess I don't even remember who's in the team, but I gave one of my own teammates a bit of stick afterwards. He got a duck. I can't remember who it was. <laughs> like, how many runs did you score? <laughs> so I can only imagine what they would have thought. Um, I don't remember. I mean, obviously I didn't bowl <laughs> at that point. They weren't going to risk that. Um, and I guess I was just going fine leg to fine leg all the time. I don't honestly, I don't remember the result in the end of it. I assume we lost because we were losing a lot around about then. <laughs> was that Nothing changes. <laughs> right. Um, but no, I, I definitely got a four, which was a, a nice moment as an introduction. Yeah. I, I, and did you feel that frustration, do you think? Um, a lot of players do when they first play cricket. It's a bit like golf. It's a very technical sport. And cricket's probably crueler because, I mean, at least with golf, the worse you are, the more shots you get. Um, with, with cricket, it works the other way. Um, did you feel that or did you just enjoy being on the field and in uh, 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 part of the team? I was probably a bit of a deer in the headlights, being brutally honest. <laughs> uh, you know, I was probably not even happy to be there. I probably didn't really know what was going on. It was just a case of, Oh, I'm doing this now. Oh, I've been doing this now. I'm going over <laughs> here now. Oh, I'm batting. Yeah. Great. Uh, you know, I like, I, I really, I mean, considering how inexperienced I would have been, you know, I, I really genuinely didn't know what I was doing. Um, so I, I just tried to take it all in my stride and be like, okay, this is happening. Fine. <laughs> I'll deal with just the roll with it. Later. Yeah. And, and did, <laughs> I really want to talk to you about something, uh, and that's called leg spin. Okay. Oh no. Um, oh, and first of all, anybody who wants to be or becomes a leg spinner is either one clinically insane, two double jointed, three just a genius. Now, I'm everybody listening can work out which one they think Andrew is, but <laughs> which one do you think I am, Paul? Well, I I think you're a genius. Um, but we'll leave it at that and move on because this is your moment, not mine. Um, <laughs> so I remember you as a young player, obviously, and it was clear I'm so you could sorry bat. you had to go through that. <laughs> but there wasn't the acne stages or anything like that, so you're all right. Um, <laughs> so I, it was clear you could, had a really good batting technique. And I remember, actually, I don't really remember this. I think it was in the, the 100, 150 year thing where we had a a little game with, with Ian Watson and McCallum had a little game. Yeah, yeah the t- 2020. And we, we, I think we were paired up together in that. And and I, and I remember, no, it couldn't have been that because that wasn't being paired. But anyway, the, we, we must have had an inter-club thing. Uh, everybody's probably we did a few like now, training anyway. sessions where they would yes. pair up batsmen and yeah. they would bat yeah, against everybody right, else. Yeah. Is that the kind of thing you're talking about? Yeah, that sort of thing. And I remember yeah. we were paired up. And I think it was my first kind of introduction. To and and I, I was impressed on how well, how good your technique was as a, bat, as a batsman. Um, you're making me blush, Paul. No, that's okay. Get used <laughs> to it. Um, but I always remember that you were a leg spinner as well. And being young in a leg spin is very, very difficult. One, because your, your, your hand's not developed, etc., your, your wrists and like that. And it's very hard to be a spinner coming into a team anyway. At what point did you take the um, conscious decision to go try? And if anybody's listening who doesn't, that's quite new to cricket, okay? 
Um, you, you may know that there's fast bowlers and there's slow bowlers. Slow bowlers are sometimes called spin bowlers, or they're just really lazy bowlers like my myself who just bowls it slowly. But as a leg spinner, I, I spin the ball slowly with my finger. What Andrew does as a leg spinner, if you're relatively new to the game, is he spins it with magic. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it's basically it's the way I could explain it. Where where my a ball that I bowl will go on straight, maybe spin a little what andrew does he, he spins the ball a lot and I, I honest honestly it spins a lot and it's very painful when you're first doing it and um and you get hit a lot because it's really hard really 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 hard to control the ball when you're, you're out the back of the hand side of the hand your wrist spin and, and it's still and i say I, I i've been around the game for about 40 years and i still don't understand that what i know is it's extremely difficult so my question is, what the hell? How did you go down the road to decide, I'm going to play this game, great game of cricket, join the, the, the men playing cricket and everything like that. And I'm going to then decide to do the most difficult aspect of the game you could possibly choose. That's the question. Well, I'm glad that with what you're saying there, you implied that I have now developed it <laughs> because I think that's still up in the air a little bit sometimes. Um, so this isn't going to paint me in the best of light. Well, that's okay. That's, it's, it's even better. Go on. <laughs> because I wasn't a particularly good student of the game when I, I was starting out. Those first few years, I was very much somebody who would be told what to do rather than saying, I want to be a batsman or I want to work on this shot or, or whatever. And to be honest, a lot of the time, like I was kind of saying before, I would just go along with it without really mm -hmm. thinking whether I really wanted to do it, whether it was actually helping me and suiting my game um which i would not recommend for <laughs> certainly 15 16 year olds really trying to make it to that next level starting out absolutely you know do what you're told learn the basics um yeah. but the leg spin started with that sort of thing it was one of those indoor sessions in peterhead and i think it was alan rennie who noticed just naturally i was turning the ball indoors mm. um mm. which uh, apparently was quite a a, a relatively novel thing. Um, mm. I didn't know I was doing it. I didn't know how I was doing it. Uh, I was just kind of told you're spinning it. This is how you get more spin work on that. Mm. And I was like, okay, cool. Little did I know, as you were saying, that's one of the most difficult things that you can try and learn in cricket. Yeah. Uh, I really didn't know that getting into it. Um, I think from day one, one of my favorite players was Graham Swan. So I always liked spin, you know, I always yeah. appreciated, but I still to this day would much rather watch a turning pitch, a, spin, a batsman trying to battle spin than a lot of swing or a lot of seam. And, and that's just everybody's cup of tea. For me personally, I love watching spin bowling. Um, and part of that, I think, is because I've been doing it for the last however long. <laughs> um, but yeah, sort of little by little from that moment and that in that hall in Peterhead, it was kind of, here's what you're doing. Here's what you should do. Practice it, basically. And mm -hmm. somehow the ball turned and it was kind of like if it's doing this on marble indoors yeah, imagine yeah. what it's going to do on grass outside yeah and as you found you've kept me a few times over the years as other people have found i do turn it a lot i do spin yeah. the ball a lot sometimes far too much i find mm. and yeah you're absolutely right it was when you said painful i thought to start with you about physically and then you followed it up with you get tonked all over the shop and it became very clear it was emotionally and I did feel that I related to that because I think my first probably six or seven years in the team bowling if not a bit more than that 
was me getting the ball kind of as a something different option, as let's see if something happens. And more often than not, one flying out the back of the side of my hand, no control, going down leg side and it gets hit for six quite easily by the batsman. Mm-hmm. You know, that was in my life. So you're absolutely right to give that warning. Because if anybody's thinking about being a spinner, whether it's leg spin or, or off spin with fingers like you try and do, um, try and do made that sound really harsh. I do apologize. No, no, you're right. No, 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 no. It wasn't yes. meant to be in a sarky way. No, 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 I know what you're saying. But if you are going to be a spin bowler, you have to be prepared for it. You have to just accept that that's coming your way. And that wasn't easy to do as a 16-year-old <laughs> trying no. to, to push into the team and make his mark and impress to then be hit all over the shop and not, not take any wickets quite a lot of the time. Yeah, I, I, I think, and this could this conversation quickly go into a, a you know two two spinners talking about how difficult it is to be a spinner. <laughs> what was uh, but you're a proper one of us is a proper spinner. The other one's a fifty-two year old. Um, so, uh, but the reality is, when you come into the team, finding your place in the team, your role in the team, and I was keen to understand. I didn't want to hear that. Well, I was a big Shane Warne fan, so I became a Shane uh, a leg spinner. I'm glad that it didn't happen like that. It was interesting to hear that if that was your opportunity to do something different within the team, have a different role, bring something different to the team, which is exactly what you do. Yeah, I mean, I, I think until you came back, Paul, I was the only spinner there. So thank you for coming yeah. back and taking that spot and <laughs> making you look good. Um, <laughs> But the other aspect, I think, and and this will be a little bit of a moan, but it is the reality. For some reason in cricket, if you're a spin bowler and get hit for six, heads go down quicker. I don't know why. I've never got to the bottom of that. I don't think at my age I ever will now. But as a slow bowler, I'll call myself a slow bowler instead of a spinner. But as a slow bowler spinner, if you get hit for four or six, for some reason, it gets a lot more attention. There's there's a lot more, oh, my God, we're going to get hit all over the place now. But actually, when you look back at the stats, you know, we don't get hit for as many fours and sixes as you think. You don't. Uh, and, and OK, no, did you don't. the early years, maybe not but we laterally. All, but, but we all do as we're learning how yeah. to be a seam bowler or, or, or something. We, we, we've seen, like, Fraser Lawrence's development for Fraser. He's a very, very, very good bowler. And he has been for five, six, seven, eight years now. Well, I looked at the stats when he was 12, 13, 14 playing, and he was going for 10 and over because he's learning that. It doesn't matter how good you are. When you're learning, you're going to come up against experienced players and batsmen that are going to take you apart. Um, and, and, and that's the real thing. But look at Fraser now. He's, he's one of the best bowlers in the grades. There's no doubt about that. So as I think as a spinner coming into the team, there's that double whammy of trying to be the youngster, trying to do something different. We see like Leanne and Callum at the moment who are doing a fantastic job. But they're going to go for runs um, as they learn how to work out, how to get a batsman out, as well as learn their own trade sort of thing. So, But as a spinner, you for some reason, you're under the spotlight if you get hit for boundaries. Sometimes because it goes further, okay, I get that, but... You know, I, I still get hit for sixes now regularly. You know, there's very few games that go by unless I'm bowling really well where I don't get hit for a six. And mentally, I do think you have to be a bit stronger as a spinner um, because you're going to, that's going to happen. But I always felt for you as a spinner coming in as a young leg spinner, learning the most difficult aspect of the game, that was a very brave choice because I can't bowl wrist spin. And I know even in my 40s how difficult it is to control the ball. So when you're young, you, you, you're learning that. And 
I was really keen to understand where that came from. Um, but it, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. It brings something else to the team. Um, it does to any team. I, I've not seen, and I've played in, in, in England as well, I've not seen as good a leg spinner, young, especially a young leg spinner. And remember, club level as a spinner, you, you won't be at your peak until you're into 30s and probably into your early 40s. And I mean that because you're, you know, as a professional, you mentioned Graham Swan there and, you know, Shane Warne, I don't say he's a professional, but he's a, he, he gets paid to play cricket. What he did. The, the development is accelerated through the coaching and the, the, the condensed amount of coaching they, they do. But as club cricketers, we, we don't get that. So as a spinner, you, you come into your own in your 30s and boys. I, I certainly feel I, I'm a better bowler now than I was when I was your age. Um, so it's a very brave thing to do. So that I think that's the first thing. And I think you're beginning to see the dividends from that. Um, because even if a, a batsman wants to hit you for six, he's got to realise it's going to spin a lot. So he's going to misjudge it. He, he's not going to hit the bat where he thinks he's going to hit. So um, it is worth keep going. And it's uh, and we'll come into this. It's it's really paid dividends this year with uh, some of your spells. Well, just on that note, because I feel like you're hmm. about to, to move on to a different topic, Paul, the, the mental yeah. side of it. You know, like I say, it, it was tough being hit all over the place, but I always backed myself to take a wicket. I think mm. that was what kept me going and what got me through those, I said those tough times, like it's really dramatic, but <laughs> those early years, I knew that when I got it right, very few people could play it. And I knew that when I got yeah. it right, it would turn big and it would be dangerous to try and hit. So yeah. I always felt whenever I got thrown the ball, whether that was one over two overs six seven overs when i was getting hit for four sixes i always felt like i could get a wicket the next ball yes. so i i think that was the key thing in that sort of thing so you're talking about bravery but it was i suppose i went in a weird way confidence um even yeah. when i maybe didn't always look like i had a huge amount of it to to sort of say well if you give me the ball i'm i fancy myself to get a wicket even if nobody yeah. else does it's a very positive form of the game, I think, leg spin, because you said, yeah, you're going to leak runs. But if you look at your strike rate, for example, it'll be one of the best at the clubs. There's no doubt about that. It, it doesn't matter. Your average will be what it is. And your economy, like mine, won't be great. But your strike rate will be way above anybody else's. Um because of the that the mystery and the skill involved when you get it right it's unplayable and you only need to get it right two or three balls and over that itself is difficult and before we move on i think the other thing to say is i think this is really key if anybody ever wants to know how difficult it is to bowl leg spin have a look at andrew's fingers after he bowls one <laughs> over into after second an hour over. Of training <laughs> yeah i mean and, and the, like your, your fingers bleed because you oh, yeah. must be how you must be gripping the seam and it must be ripping. I, I'm supposed to do that as a left arm bowler like that, but I'm never going to do that. You know, I, I rely on <laughs> in inverted commas accuracy, but that's that's how I get my wickets. Um, yours is pure sort of manipulation of the ball and the seam and, you, uh, and, and your, your fingers bleed and things like that. So if you have anybody's ever in any doubt how difficult and, and painful it can be have a look at your fingers and um your shoulder as well must take a lot as well so um that, that it, it's it's a very difficult thing to do but moving on anyway we could spend the whole time just talking about spin ball couldn't we we will won't we? <laughs> you'll just hear it, all the listeners just snoring in the background yeah um 
How do you feel then? You've been at Fraser Crick Club, but I know you've not been able to play every game and everything like as you went to university and and then your career's taken you to Inverness as well. So it's 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 you're not in the Brock anymore. How do you feel your time with Fraserburgh has been over the last five, six years, let's say, and uh, what your, how your role has progressed within the team? That's, I mean, the last five, six years are really interesting time period, I think, for me, because 2016, 2017 was a couple of really bad years for me. Um, I'd say on the pitch and off the pitch. Then I had a year out in 2018 altogether because, like you say, I moved away for work. And I kind of started drip feeding back into it the last two or three and I mean we've just been talking about legs been rolling this year I think is one of the first times when I was playing matches in in 2021 that I felt like I had control and I knew what I was doing <laughs> and you know I was yeah. setting fields for certain things and and I could actually land a consistent over um and you know, like I say we've been talking about so much to do with spin bowling and leg spin specifically this is what 12 13 years after I started yeah. playing and I've only just found yeah. that I've only just got that that confidence through actually going and bowling over after over after over in the nets and that isn't anywhere near what I was doing five six years ago when I was in Fraserburgh full-time mm-hmm. and going down to practice every single week I think my role in the team now is very different because I personally have a very different attitude towards cricket now. Five, six years ago, I put a heck of a lot of pressure on myself Yeah, because I wanted to be a dependable part of the team. I wanted to be somebody that guys could turn around to and go, you're batting top four or five, you're scoring runs, you're bowling this amount of overs, you're taking wickets. And when that didn't happen for me <laughs> through, yeah. um, as I alluded to before, I don't know if you're going to get into to any of this later on, through a multitude of, of different reasons on and off the pitch, it was never going to work. It just wasn't. You know, it, the minute you start putting too much pressure on it, really that took away from my enjoyment of it as well. You know, it, it's only going to go downhill from there. You know, you're never going to get that back. So I think the the year out, the change of circumstances that I've had, even though I'm, I'm playing less and I'm practicing less and I'm working on improvements less, it's taken all of that pressure off of me. Yeah. And I'm, I'm coming back and I've talked about this before with you, not in podcasts, not in recording, just when we're down at matches. I feel like I'm coming back and I'm just trying to enjoy it now. Yeah. And you know, I'm, I'm coming back from matches knowing it's a bonus, basically. If I get to play a match next year, whatever two years down the line that'll be a bonus because I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that because of the way my work is I work on Saturdays I cover sports so even when the cricket season's on for three four or five months I don't know if I'm actually going to be available any of those Saturdays to play a match so I'm trying to come back and have fun with it now and make the most of it now and I think we've seen I think the stats back this up I could be wrong maybe 2021 aside because I barely scored any runs I do score more runs you know I'm more free-flowing with the bat I'm playing a few more shots I'm more consistent with the ball because I am just going and enjoying it it's not uh an end of the world (laughs) scenario if I do get hit for six the first ball and end up not taking a wicket or if I do get out for a duck I'm coming back to have a good time and and I think that's really released me to go and and make those improvements that I really wanted to make five or six years ago but just wasn't able to as you said, we've spoken about it, um, you know, at games and everything, and that's a difference I've seen in you. Um, you talked about 
issues you've had on and off the field there. And I'm, I'm happy to talk about whatever you're comfortable to talk about there, Andrew. And I've noticed that you've come back in the last year or so, which, which with that attitude, which does help. Um, what do you think's led you to that? And if you want to talk about on-field, off-field, I'm, I'm happy to talk about what's led you to, to where you are today, do you think? How long do we have? <laughs> um, I, I, mean, I genuinely, I'm trying to think of where, how far back to go with this. On-field stuff, back then, I never felt like I had the trust of the captain, which, yeah. like we were talking about before, with spin bowling, you're going to get hit. You need yeah. that backing. You need that arm around your shoulder sometimes to say, mm-hmm. you're going to have X number of overs. Don't worry yeah. if you get hit for a six in the first over. You're going to get these overs. We have confidence in you. I never felt like I had that. Since I've come back, there's a new captain. And personally, I think the atmosphere is completely different at the club, which is really conducive to a lot more of that. <laughs> the lax, again, maybe makes it sound a little bit lackadaisical, but you know, for me personally, a far more enjoyable feel to it. I'm just talking for myself there. I'm not saying everybody else feels that way, but you know, mm-hmm. that's how I feel. At the very start of 2017, my granddad died as well. Mm. And anybody who has played cricket with me over the years, going back to the youth team, knows that he was the one that used to be taking me down to cricket. Uh, yeah. He was, you know, he would come down and sit and watch from the road in his car on Saturday afternoons. So that probably affected me more than I realised at the time, because there was a good year or two there where things really weren't great yeah. <laughs> for me because of yeah, that. Yeah. And and twenty seventeen. I felt like it was really a tipping point for me at cricket where I was kind of like, I, I can't do this anymore. And that was partially to do with that. Part of it was because I left uni and I was looking for jobs and wasn't getting anything. And to put it quite bluntly, I didn't really want to be in Fraserburgh. Um, yeah. My social circle was all still hours away, at least for the most part. Yeah. And I didn't want to be sitting at home doing nothing while my friends were getting jobs or moving to new places and doing really exciting things. That was quite tough to deal with as well. And just to add to this absolute perfect storm of things that happened about 2016, 2017, I came out as bisexual, but I wasn't out in Fraserburgh. (laughs) I I came out to uni pals and I was out there, um, but there was probably about a year and a half, I think a bit more, where they knew and I was fine at uni, but I would come back to Fraserburgh and it didn't feel like anybody knew and I couldn't be myself. And that mm. then was part of that in cricket. Mostly, in my mind, I think my family was the big sort of issue there. Um, yeah. but, but that covers the 2016, 2017 seasons in cricket as well, where I think things fell off a bit of a cliff for me. So, yeah, all of that was, was going on. And by the end of the 2017 season, I just wasn't enjoying it anymore. You know, I, I felt like it was something I should do rather than something that I wanted to do. Um, mm. It was almost like it was an obligation and it wasn't, there was no obligation to play cricket, but that was how it felt to me at the time. And taking the year out wasn't planned. <laughs> um, it was purely because I got a job two and a bit hours away. Um, so I wasn't physically around to play cricket in 2018, but I think I needed that break. I think I needed something yeah. different to happen. And I had so many bad associations with it in my own mind. And I'm sure some of them I trumped up a bit and, you know, embellished a bit, made out to be more serious than, than they actually were. But because of those things that I had in my mind, 
even when I came back in 2019 and played a couple of matches, it was still, I'm not sure how this is going to go. You know, I, I would come back, I think 2019, I played three or four games. And the first one I absolutely loved, really enjoyed it. It's great to be back and out playing cricket. And every time I played after that, I just kind of got slightly more like it was before. And I can't really explain right. why. I don't know what it was. Mm. And then this weird thing happened in March 2020. You might have heard of it. COVID? <laughs> um, it's news. It's news to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't want to just remind everybody of that all the time. But, you know, that was quite a major thing. And being locked in, not locked, obviously, but being in my house, not seeing anybody for three months from March 2020, gave me a lot of time to reevaluate and, you know, sort of reset everything and decide what I actually wanted to do and what I wanted to prioritize. And once we were allowed to do stuff and have the odd training session, if not full on matches in the league in 2020, when I, I was coming back for that, I realized I was actually really enjoying it. And by that point, I was a good bit older. I probably matured quite a bit. <laughs> um, yeah. We talked about it in your episode, Paul, there's a big difference between a 20 year old and a 25 year old. Yeah, and definitely. Then, then again, as, as you get older in terms of maturity level and how you approach things. And I think personally, I was in a much better place by the time I came back. And that meant coming back and playing, it was much more enjoyable. And yeah. coming back and seeing people like Leanne and Callum and Alex and Rebecca, you know, all these people who were years younger than me, I was suddenly mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm, I'm in the senior role now. I'm one of the more experienced ones, which was really weird. But that's something that I quite enjoy. Um, mm. and I, I tried to help people, so I, I feel like I've talked a lot there, but like I said, it's a long story and I could probably go into more detail on some of it, but um, that's sort of the, the broad brushstrokes at the very least, I think. Yeah. No, I, I think there's there's some really interesting things in there, Andrew, and, I, I, and, and it kind of, it shows the journey you've been on. Um, the couple of things I would say that, yeah, you, you know, you, you're going through in that period of life, a transitional period, like going from home to uni, coming out of uni, a lot of people don't talk about that part. Yeah. When you come out of uni, I, I see that for with for Gary, for example, and other other people at work, grads and things at work. I, that's actually a very difficult period of your life because you're going into a, a, a now a very different environment, living environment, working environment as well, and and it comes with its pressures. And obviously, you had the added sort of obviously with the bereavement i know you were close to your granddad and 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 i i totally get that and as you said coming out at that point in time you know you had all these things happening at the same time so again i used the phrase perfect storm it really was wasn't it so much going on it is true and 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 i think that is true but and and but it's also we talked about bravery earlier it's very brave to do to, to deal with those things, whether you've got a choice or not, it's very, you can run away and hide from them. And we all have um, problems in our personal life that affect us. Um, and sometimes they come in clusters, uh, thankfully not too often, but they do. And, and, and you can run away and hide or you can face them. And only by facing them like you have as well over a period of time, you've come out and been the person you are today. And I, I saw that this year with, a different approach to cricket and and you realize actually that cricket's a great sport uh, and i was the same as when as you when i was younger but it if your whole live you're living for that saturday afternoon when you just play the game of cricket then yeah, you're putting too much too much pressure on yourself and i could see that, that you'd lifted that pressure from your shoulders but only by going through that personal journey were you able to get to where you were now and and where you have been for a little while now so um again it's 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 
I, I always find it fascinating to, to learn how people have gone through that journey through a very difficult period in their time. And I think with cricket, you're right as well when you're saying taking a year out. Cricket is, all sports are, but cricket, I think especially, if you've got something going on in your personal life or you've got a mental health problem, it really finds that finds you out. It's, it's a cruel sport then. Um, and, and we're lucky enough to play in a very supportive club. So heavens knows what it's like in a much more masculine, macho clubs that I've played in before, uh, before phrase, but we're in a very supportive club. But even then, it's a, it's this kind of sport that really, if if things are not working out well for you in your, your, your personal life, it really finds them out. Um, and it's very difficult to keep on playing. So I, I can totally understand that. I, I didn't play for... 12 years, for example, for various reasons. And you can hear why in Paul's episode of the First Red Cricket Talk Chronicles. <laughs> Cheap one. Yeah. He just realised he wasn't very good at it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it's great to hear that. And, and and I, for one, I've seen a big change in you over the last couple of years or so. And I, I think it's a massive positive change as well. Um, not that I'm not saying you weren't very nice to start with. I'm just saying I can feel you're more much more comfortable in your own skin. I, I think that's part of growing up and part of the journey you've been on. So long may that continue. And that moves us nicely into the next bit I, I want to talk about is uh, somebody's first FIFA this year. Um, <laughs> When I saw your ball that day, I, I just I didn't know you were going to get FIFA, but I just thought the, it looked like I think I was on mid on mid off something like that, and I could see the ball coming out really well, and I just thought, hold on, this something's going to happen. He's going to get wickets today. You were bowling more consistently. Get talks through how you felt, how you felt bowling wise physically that that FIFA. Did it come as a surprise, or did you think, well, no, no, I feel good today? Sometimes you feel good and get no wickets. Feel sometimes you bowl crap and get five. How did you feel that day as you were bowling and then getting your fifer as well? It was just a surprise that I was bowling. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely, I didn't expect to bowl. We we batted first that day, and my dad had come down to watch news sitting around the side. And I went over and talked to him between the innings, and he said, "Oh, Michael thinks you're going to get a bowl." And I'm like, "Nah, definitely not." Have you seen the team? All these people are ahead of me. Like, if I get a bowl, it'll be maybe an over or two, maybe if I'm lucky. Yeah. But no, I did. he knew. Uh, he got the inside scoop before I did, which puts me to shame as a journalist. Um, <laughs> you know, he knew what was going to happen. Um, maybe not that five was coming, but he knew I was going to get a bowl. Where I really didn't believe it. I don't know if that maybe helped me. You know, again, mm. I had the attitude that it was a bonus and you know, I wasn't expecting to bowl. I've got this opportunity now. I had been feeling pretty good. I think I, I have felt pretty good for the last year or so with, with the ball in hand. Um, I, I've tried to do as much practice as I can, which yeah. isn't always easy during the job that I do because even, you know, Fraserburgh practice on Wednesday nights, or at least they have the last few years. And sometimes I'm working on Wednesday nights. It's not even like I can come back and do that. Um, but even days off when I haven't been back in Fraserburgh, maybe be going and seeing friends back down the Sterling area where I went to uni and played a bit of cricket with them and, and put in those hours and got those reps, right. which is so crucial. I mean, I, I come back to spinners, you need that rhythm. You know, you, you need to have that feel of the ball in your hands to, to properly achieve that consistency and and I finally felt like I got that this year so I, I kind of knew when I did get the chance I, I had a shot here you know I said before I always bat myself to take wickets and that's still true to this day but I knew that if I wasn't going to take wickets I could keep it quite tight which is an added confidence boost that I very rarely have had over the years yeah and this again might sound really bad 
But looking at the opposition team, I want to say it was Metric, wasn't it, in the, the cup quarterfinal? I'm pretty yeah, sure it was. It was. Yep. They had a really young team that day. Uh, I, I don't know what it is. I, I, maybe that's undercutting my own Pfeiffer. It was the greatest Pfeiffer ever. Um, but <laughs> I, I don't know what it is. When I, whenever I see other kids, maybe it's just knowing how I felt when I was quite inexperienced and in coming into the game. I always seem to get my tail up a little bit more and like, okay, yep. I can get these guys out. Even if their technique is quite good, they can block a ball. They probably haven't faced somebody bowling like I bowl it before. So I've got a good chance yeah. of getting them out. So, and again, this might sound really bad. But my cricket memory has gone so awful these last few years since I had that year in 2018. Before that, I could have told you specific overs, who we were against, who we got out, who took the cat, all of that sort of stuff. I don't even remember all five of the wickets. <laughs> I remember specifically I got an LBW because I think it was my second ever LBW <laughs> because yeah. it's quite rare with the way that I spin it. Uh, I bowled somebody and I remember <laughs> as I think that was the one I went and clapped myself to celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> I think as I was moving off, I kind of went, yeah. And I was like, oh, I just took the wicket. I don't have to, it. I can celebrate. But also as I was turning back to go towards my mark, I heard Corey, who was at slip, say that was almost a proper leggy, <laughs> which, you know, what does he think I've been bowling for the last 10 years? <laughs> what, what have I been bowling for the last 10 years? I don't know. But it, it did. It pitched on middle and just spun enough. I talked before saying yes. that I, I often spun it too much. Just spun enough to miss the bat and clip the top of off. One of the best balls I've ever bowled just because it was yeah. that picturesque, perfect. And then I had a four for going into my last over and because it was the cup and it was a 2020 we knew it was my last over the allocation was done and Liam turned around to me uh if you were at mid on min off Liam was the other one and he was coming yes. over chatting to me we talking about fields and that sort of thing and he said to me you've never had a Pfeiffer before have you <laughs> I remember I did hear that yeah <laughs> and I'm like right okay no I haven't this isn't my chance brilliant there's one time before I got close and you were actually the captain that day it was at Kemney and I got a four for after being right, smashed yep. all over the yep. shop. And I remember getting really annoyed that the last wicket was a run out because I wanted a five for. <laughs> so finally, <laughs> this was my chance in, in the summer of 2021. And the guy just chipped it straight to Liam, turned around in the hands. And we just laughed at each other because we'd had that conversation at the start of the over. <laughs> and he was the one to take the catch for the five for. It, it, it was brilliant. I mean, I was buzzing, as you might expect. I think that yeah. fifth wicket won the match for us as well, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yes. So, you know, it, it was that it feeling of having won the match as well as having taken the Pfeiffer. But I, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you an extra wee, wee story about this that I'm not sure any of you guys know at the cricket club as yet. Um, that day was my dad's birthday. So oh, right. because of the way... The, the restrictions were at that moment in time, being the middle of summer, things were a little bit loosened up. He decided to have, feels a bit childish to call it a birthday party, but he had a get together that night yep. at the Fraser Bell Leisure Centre. He'd invited, you know, a good group of his pals, maybe only about 20 of us, it wasn't huge crowds, but it, it was enough after the pandemic and the year and a bit that we'd had. And I didn't know he was going to do this, but he made a wee speech. Well, I knew he was going to make the speech. He made a wee speech at the start of it. And he pointed out my mom, you know, thanking her, pointed out my brother and his then fiance and now wife. And then he came to me and, and pointed me out and then mentioned that I'd taken a five for that day and completely <laughs> embarrassed me um, because I had no idea he was going to mention it. And it was clearly a wee improv yeah. because he had been at the match and he'd seen it. So 
everybody started clapping. And suddenly all these people who I know have never come down to a cricket match in their lives were applauding me for taking a fifer. And, and there was just this wee shout, did you win? And I was like, yes, yes, we did. <laughs> it, was, it was a beautiful moment. It was absolutely glorious. It's, I, I know, you know, I've been asking people over the course of this podcast, stand out bullying innings and, 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 and yeah. you know, spells with the bat. And that can't not be number one for me. The first five yeah. for in that circumstances, we end up getting to the final of that cup. So naturally, I felt like if it wasn't for me, we wouldn't have got there, even though we definitely would have still won that game. Yeah, it was possibly the best moment I've had in cricket. Yeah, fantastic. And, and I think you always remember your first fifer, your first 50, your first 100, whatever that might be. Um, but I think that was a special moment. And as a fellow spinner, it's always good to see uh, good to see another spinner in the team anyway. Good to see any team with a spinner. And, and for me, for that day, my, my memory of that is remembering all the times you talked earlier about feeling that you weren't being supported by a captain and uh, you weren't being bold enough. You weren't, I agree with you 100% there. That, again, that's my personal view. Maybe I'm biased because I am a spinner as well. I know how that feels. Um, as a spinner, you need to be told you're going to bowl four or five overs. You can't come in for one or two overs. It's just, it's not how our brains work. It's not how our, our, our style of bowling works. So uh, for me, watching from mid-off, and I think I actually took a catch that day. When I, you know what, just as you started weeks. talking, that clicked in my mind that you took one of the catches yeah. as well. Yeah. And, and, and for me, my memory of that is thinking, well, you know, these are the days where all that hard work and all that grief of being hit or bowling wides or, or, or being underappreciated. This is a payoff. This is it. You know, when you, you bowl that well and actually to bowl well and get a five, that doesn't always, as I said, doesn't isn't always the case. So it's those are the magic moments. Uh, and, you know, I, I just felt. You know, I've taken fifers, but that that meant as much to me as any fifer I've ever take ever taken because you know how much hard work, sweat, and tears go into into that. So congratulations on that, Andrew. Uh, if I haven't said that before, so well done. <laughs> it's uh, and and you said really as well a T20 game. You only got four overs or something like that. That's that's an ex- I've never done that, I, I, and that's an extreme feat to do. So fantastic, really fantastic. Get that. Uh, it was um, it made it all worthwhile. And and even as you were getting those wickets, remember all the hard times you'd had and not being appreciated for 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 something that you do and something that's very difficult to do and you do it. So yeah, it, it's going to go down as one of my highlights as well. So I'll, I'll never forget that day. Congratulations. So you talk about early, earlier podcasts. So we used to have, what was it? The quick fire questions, right? I, so we're, we're going to... We've officially rebranded them as the Super Six for season super two. Super Six? I've got 27. Hold on. Oh, no, got... no, I've already got five. Super well, 27. I was going to ask you, right? Super five. But I was going to ask favourite game in ins bowling. So the bowling you've covered, any other kind of real standout games or like batting innings you can remember that... That, that stick in your mind that were another great moment for you? There are a couple. Uh, and I know usually I ask people for one, but I let them have a couple. So I'm hoping you'll give me the leeway to <laughs> cheat yes, a little bit and go with go a couple. On, then. Um, well, I, I talked about that five for being a moment to win the game as well and that adding something mm. to it. I think only ever once have I been out in the middle batting when we've won a game. <laughs> so that one stands out to me quite a bit. It was uh, out at Balmoral against Crathy. And you come into yeah. the story as well, in case you don't remember it, because you were umpiring at the very very end. 
I was, yes. I, I remember that was the, the famous day around the club where Fraser got 99. That's uh, right. The day yep, before I the cup that. final where he got a duck and he didn't get 100 for the weekend, which has lived That's long right. in all of our memories. Um, including Fraser's, I'm sure. Including, Fra- I think especially Fraser's. <laughs> yeah, so, he, I mean, he'd done a lot of hard work there, obviously. He had this massive yeah, had. partnership a- with Gary. You know, they, they'd batted for, I think, more than half the innings together. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I came in and because at that point I hadn't scored that many runs and there wasn't a huge amount of batting behind me. I remember, I think Brian was, I maybe came in to replace Brian and then Will Ramsey came in after me and Ryan Duffy was coming in later right. as well. Yeah, uh, It was still a very young team at that point. I, I suppose the game was still quite in the balance. And I think it was Makara who had been taking a lot of wickets that year. Mm. And yeah. we were all looking at him kind of going, how has he been taking all these wickets this year? He's, I mean, he's a good bowler. He was accurate. He was consistent, which is half the battle. It absolutely is. But I don't think we found him particularly threatening that day. And I remember hitting one shot because it was really narrow boundaries. You know, from the bowler's ends, it was really long boundaries. And then anything square, it was tiny. <clears throat> it was absolutely tiny. Yeah. So I remember hitting one and being really disappointed and go for six. And I still haven't hit a six. So I still regret that a little bit. But at the end, it was myself and Will. <laughs> and I can't remember who it was, but somebody bowled a white and you didn't give it as a white. And I remember that watching the ball going past yep. me, looking at you and you just being like, I'm not yep. giving it. <laughs> if you, if you it want was the down run, leg side. Of, yeah. It was down leg side, yeah. yes. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So like, if you want the run, run it. I, I think yep. your idea was kind of don't run it, hit the winning runs. But I wasn't thinking that way and I just ran through and we won off a bag. So that was fine, but that was a nice moment to be, you know, walking off and celebrating a win rather than commiserating people getting out. Uh, and yeah. the, the other one that stands out to me is, I think it must have been 2019, one of those matches that I came back and played. And I think this is when I started opening a few eyes with my batting because I was in for some reason at five or six that day. And that was one of the highest I've been when we had a decent team. I don't know why, if they just thought, give him a chance, whatever. You'd have to ask Liam. He was the captain. Uh, what the thought process was but he was in the middle he'd open he was in the middle when I came out to bat with him and we're just kind of like okay see out the next few overs see where we get to and eventually we got to a point where it was kind of hit out or get out stage we knew that Chris Gospel Mm. was coming in next as well so we knew if one of us got out he would probably come in and get a good few runs now I'd never really batted for any length of time at this stage so after milking the strike a few times you know handing over going for a few ones and twos I was quite tired and I knew that Chris Gospel was coming in next and anybody who has (laughs) run with Gospel will tell you that is an experience. So myself and Liam were both kind of like, yeah, we can start hitting out a bit now and and see where we go. If we get out, it's not the end of the world. You know, we both got, I think he was well past 50 at this point. I was in the double figures, which was my own personal 50. Uh, So we were both pretty happy with where we were. And I just thought, okay, I'm just going to start swinging at this. And the first one I think went for four or maybe not the first one, but one of them went for four and I was like, okay, a few more runs on the board. That's handy. And I just got more and more tired as, as this went on. I thought, I kind of want to get out now. I'm just going to keep <laughs> hitting these and hitting them as hard as I can. And if I get caught, good, because I don't have to run with gospel. And I must've got dropped about three times. Nobody ever took it. And then Liam got out and I did have to run with gospel, but eventually I ended up not out, and that's my highest ever score. It was 28 not out. <laughs> mm. So it worked out all right in the end, but I was feeling that so much by the end of both that innings, and we then had to go out and bowl afterwards. 
So I was not impressed trying to field. Yeah, as somebody who has been on 80 not out with, and then watching gospel come in, uh, I'm thinking, this is not going to go, this is not going to end well. I, I just certainly, you know, that he does run your ragged. You just have to say no. You do what you want, Chrissy. In fact, <laughs> you run for me if you want. Uh, so He yeah, will I lap think you. Was, he will happily lap you. Oh, he will. We still only get the one run, though. He can mm. run three if he wants, but he is very, very enthusiastic. He's, he's great <laughs> to bat with. I've had a couple of, I've been lucky enough to have a couple of really good partnerships with Chris and and the way he bats really takes the pressure off you actually the way he runs puts you under pressure the yeah. way he bats takes the pressure off and uh, it's always good fun uh, batting with Chris one way or the other it's interesting I, I mean, my memory from that game at Carthy when you came in is first of all Gary batted brilliantly with Fraser batted really well that day we were we were we should have lost that game uh, a Fraser batted absolutely brilliantly, really deserved. I think it w- what would have been his first 100. Gary batted brilliantly for about 20 overs and scored 12. Yeah. Um, when, when you came up to bat, they they I, I remember there's, there was a player playing for them that day who wasn't the nicest person I've ever met. And I was umpire and he, he went, oh, it's the youngsters now, so let's crowd them. And then you just stepped kept hitting for twos if I remember as well and he was is he was getting redder and redder and I thought he was going to explode and I was at, I was going to say something I was I was laughing quite a lot that uh what I was on which you shouldn't do and um I just loved the way he underestimated our youngsters including yourself and Will um and you know it was really really good victory for us and and it was a really good team performance and your your bat and really finished off so that was really good you mentioned um, gary there paul i, I think you mm. might still be annoyed that i pipped him to be our second half <laughs> that day and get my just name in the paper bit. just a, he still says the talk every now and then usually first game of the season if we're driving through he'll mention that because i'll never think i'll never forgive andrew i batted for 20 25 overs <laughs> for 12 and he came in and, and, and got 14 in the first two overs that he batted. i'll never forgive him without you i did all the hard work i went okay whatever move on <laughs> uh yeah it was a great day out actually um favorite ground what was your favorite ground you've you've played in this this one might take a few people by surprise because i'm not sure how many people at Fraserburgh have played there sterling county is absolutely beautiful. Oh, I, I don't know if right, you've yeah, yeah. ever been there, but I, I played there in a friendly match against the county when I was at the uni there, and it's absolutely gorgeous. You've got mm. whole mountain view, you've got the river running around the pitch, you've got the Wallace Monument, Stirling Castle, all in view. <sighs> absolutely gorgeous, and it's a good quality pitch as well. You know, they properly take care of it. There's rollers, there's covers, yeah. there's, there's everything. Dedicated groundsman. That's a really really nice pitch to play at, both scenically and you know the mm. actual pitch. I think I feel like I'd be a bit remiss if I didn't say Manifield, <laughs> just because yeah. it's Manifield. Um, yeah. You know, I played there for under 15s one of the first times. I remember hitting a boundary and it's like, wow, this this outfield's quick. Little did yes. I know what was waiting for me. <laughs> Grades cricket. And I, again, I have to mention Fraserburgh. There's always a comfort level there, despite how the pitch mm. used to play. Less so in recent years because Gospel's done a brilliant job as, yeah. as groundsman. There's always just something really nice about coming back and playing at Fraserburgh. Yeah, definitely, definitely. You mentioned Graham Swan there, but um, any other cricketing heroes, professional cricketers that you watched on TV, don't mention, don't say Shane Warne. At the risk of making people feel <laughs> quite old, I kind of missed Warne. <laughs> okay. I mean, I didn't start playing until about 2010. 
so by that point, I think Warren was just doing the franchise stuff. I, I'm pretty sure he was yeah, yeah. a few years out of Australia. So yeah, and I didn't really have a leggy to look up to, you know, a bona fide leggy. I mean, Neurolytherin does all sorts. I don't know what you'd even call him. Um, but Swan was... A double jointed is what you well, call them, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, but Swan was the one, I think originally I sort of modelled my run-up on him a little bit, even though we spin it different ways. Right. I don't really think there were, there were many other people. I was like, I idolise them. You know, I, I really want to take mm. this from their game. There's obviously some cracking players. You know, I mean, I got the full-on pomp of Alistair Cook in his prime. Mm. You know, watching yeah. him bat and when he was free-flowing. I mean, we're recording this as the Ashes are going on and not going particularly well for England, but seeing Cook <laughs> bat for days on end down in Australia, you know, that's that was something yeah. to watch. And there's always that bit of you that's like, oh, I wish I could do that. <laughs> really yeah, I could do that. Yeah, no, he was very special, and uh, it, you know, I've watched England play for a long, long time, and he's definitely the best opening batsman I've ever seen play for England. Uh, up until then, I would have said Graham Gooch, but Cook mm. surpassed that. And, and we we have a go at Shane one one because he's an Aussie and, and and he took a lot of England wickets, but a phenomenal bowler. Um, and and as we've said through this 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 episode, you know him to do what he did over that sustained period of time at a professional level was was quite extraordinary. And if you think you saying that makes you feel low, I I remember watching the the ball in '93 uh, okay. uh, where he bowled Mike Gatton. Who Mike Gatton was a massive I was a massive fan of Mike Gatton as I grew up. <laughs> Maybe his physique more than anything. Um, but uh, to see that do that to a, a very very good batsman, we knew we had some. Well, the Australians had something very special on that. So. Yeah, I, I did that, but in you know the outfield at Fraserburgh against like 15, 16 <laughs> yes. year old batsmen, so it's not quite yeah. the same level of impressing. Yeah, you say that, but I mean, you talked about Manafield. I, I, I bowled in Manafield a couple of times, and I actually get a lot, quite a bit of spin in Manafield. So these pitches are drier, better prepared. They actually do spin more than an, like an like we do in Fraser in the wet, wetter pitches. I got a lot more spin down in England as well. So, um, you know, a lot of these, you see really good Indian bowlers, you know, especially taking a lot of wickets, spin bowlers, I mean, in India, but the pitches are ideal for them, yeah. shall we say. But Shane Warne did it all around the world, like Murley did as well. And and that's the class. And he did it for 15 years. It must have taken an immense amount of his body to do that um, for that length of time. So hats off that's that's the last time i'm going to give him a compliment um only because you 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 use this one what was the best player you've played with or or against at club level i mean the best player i've played against would be ian watson in that 2020 for the 150 (laughs) but i never saw him in again that peak form i never saw ian watson that you know everybody lords and i think rightfully so looking at the stats oh absolutely absolutely 100 percent. i think probably the best player i've played with i am going to keep this to fraserborough because again playing at uni you know we only played four or five matches a year it's mm. not really enough to i know guys had reputations there's one batsman i think was scotland under 19s you know and quality wow. quality batsman different but, level yeah, yeah exactly uh but i think for for fraserborough the best player i played with would probably have to be Corey. Um, mm. when he's you know again in, in full flow it just makes it look so effortless to mm. put away the bad ball and, and judge it perfectly and you know it's his actual stroke play as well I think we talk a lot about his selection 
But when yeah. he's actually playing a shot, it's really aesthetically nice as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think he's really, I don't know if he feels this way. And, you know, I've done an episode of this with him. I'm still not just 100% sure. But I, I, he's definitely somebody to look up to. You know, he's definitely mm. somebody that you could look at and be, I want to bat like Corey. And yeah. that would serve you really, really well going forward. Yeah, and a capable definitely. bowler as well, like you mentioned earlier. You know, yeah. But his body holds up to it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the thing with Corey is, and the mark of how good a player, a batsman he is, is you're always surprised when he gets out. I mean, I mean, I, I when I bat at three, for example, so Corey's opening, I'm always surprised when Corey and Liam as well, when they get out, because they're such good players. And and I actually, when, when they get out, you go, oh, What's happened? Yeah. You know, yeah, I didn't see that happening. You know what I mean? And that sort of thing. And when, when Corey's in, he, he is he must be a nightmare to bowl at. Uh, I mean, I can't really even remember. Maybe I must have in the 90s when he was a youngster. I must have bowled him in at him at practice and things like that. But he seems his bat seems to be bigger than everybody else. I must measure it one day because I think it probably is wider than everybody else. I think he's probably breaking the rules, but um, he is a very, very, very good batsman. Um, and it's always a surprise when he gets out. And I, I've always enjoyed batting with Corey as well because he just lets me do all the talking, which suits me just <laughs> fine, you know. <laughs> but what I, I really respect about him as well, I think this is maybe something I wouldn't have appreciated when I was younger. This last year or so, when I have been able to make it down to practice, Corey has been coming down to practice. That would be really easy right. for somebody in his position to not mm. do that. You know, he's got young kids. You know, he's been playing for as long yep. as he has. He scored all the runs he has. He's still coming down and trying to find ways to make his game better. I think yeah, yeah. You know, that is really something, again, to be proud of, that we have the atmosphere at the club that he feels like he can do that and he needs to do that. It's also a mark of the guy because, it, like I say, it would be so easy not to. Um, but he, he still yeah. wants to be better, still wants to improve. And I think that's a really, really good attitude lesson for, for a lot of younger people at the club. He is definitely like that, Corey. He's always wanting to get better. He's a very humble person, uh, Corey. He, he would never put himself out there as a, one of the best batsmen in great cricket, but he certainly is. Um, but he's always, I'm, obviously, I remember as a youngster, he was always keen. He was relatively quiet and he was always into his game. He, but he always, he's got a very keen sense of humour as well, Corey. And I've always enjoyed every game that he plays. And, um, and as a youngster, I could see that determination um, and, and he, he's he's fiercely competitive with himself. Um, I, I, he, he's a gentleman on the field as well. I know people say that a lot. I, I mean, I can lose the rag uh, mm. with the opposition sometimes, and, and, and I'm trying to get better at not doing that. But Corey, uh, you know, he it means a lot to Corey, but he he's such a humble, uh, gentle player, you know, and but he's always willing to learn. But you could see that when he was a kid, mm. when he was younger, you could see that he was wanting that. And I, I, I always remember that a couple of seasons ago, he, he came out, he scored 60 odd. And the first, uh, you know, we're all clapping. The first thing he said, well, he was 66 or 67. He went, I've never scored 66 or 67 before. <laughs> and I went, this guy has got an exceptional memory of the game and his game as well. And it shows you how much time and effort and thought he's put into it. And, and he's, you know, he, he it's massive to have Corey at the club, not just for his runs, but his knowledge as well. Mm, so yeah, absolutely. Absolutely fantastic player. Good choice. 
Okay, so just to wrap up the session now, and we could go on for hours, I know that. Oh, we have, um, haven't we? In the past, we have, we, have. we, we frequently have. have. There's, and people will be listening to the edited version as well. But anyway, it's been great fun. Um, the future, uh, how do you see? I mean, I know you, like myself, you, you live a fair distance away from Praise, but where do you see you yourself developing with the club, with the role, and and how much you're going to be able to play. What does that look like for you? And and also, as you're thinking about that, people always ask me this question, so I'm going to ask a question: Why do you keep coming back and playing for Fraserburgh when you live so far away? Then I'm not saying that why, dear, but what's your motivation for doing that, Andrew? Yeah, I'll take the first bit first because the, the short <laughs> answer is I don't know what the future yeah. holds. No, I, I yeah. genuinely don't. Um, you know, week to week, I usually don't know what match I'm going to cover that weekend. So mm. looking years down the line, I might not play a cricket match again. I can't say mm. that for sure that I won't. You know, I can't say for sure that I will. Um, it just depends on how the circumstances work out over the next few years. And, and you know, obviously past that, I want to come back and play. I want to, to mm. play as often as I can. But it depends on what I physically can do. And yeah, yeah, you know what I physically can get back for, and whether there's other things going on. Why I come back and play for Fraserburgh? That that's not one I expected you to ask me. So that one's taking me a bit more by, <laughs> by surprise. Um, that's a good question. Always oh, nice to put a journalist on the spot, isn't it? You know, that's a good question. Why do I come, Paul? Why do I come back and play for Fraserburgh? There's so many other options. Yeah, but I, I've dabbled at other clubs closer to me closer to where I live and I've gone to the odd training session here or there and you know they're nice enough guys the the standard is probably not that dissimilar to Fraserburgh so there's no reason why I shouldn't be able to fit in there but mm. there's just something about home I, I, I don't know if that's a really you know like artsy abstract way of putting it but you know I, I come back and it's not just about the cricket for me anymore I'm coming back and I'm seeing family and I'm seeing friends and I'm seeing friends at the cricket and I'm tying all of this in together so part of it is that it's a good excuse <laughs> to come back and see yeah. my mom and dad and my brother and you know all of that jazz part of it is just that it's familiar you know I I played cricket with guys like Ryan from day one you know I, I've had guys like Alan there or even yourself from basically mm. day one playing cricket and I know the pitch and I, I know the setup and where everything is. And it's just, it's really comforting, I think, to have that to come back to. Um, and, you know, I, I, I played at uni, you know, I have gone and, and done other things and, and played with other people, but there's just something I associate with Fraserburgh when I, I think of cricket. And if I'm thinking about playing a match, I'd much rather play for Fraserburgh and, and to be honest, probably in Fraserburgh than yeah. anything else so uh, there's just something there and i can't describe exactly what it is i hope i've done a decent enough job there um that just keeps drawing me back and i don't know long may it continue <laughs> i think that's good to hear because i think praise for the way it is geographically work-wise employment-wise will you know for the club to flourish as it has it's going to need the players that do move away for, for work reasons, for personal reasons, for family reasons, to want to come back and play, whether it's an odd game or, you know, two, three games a season when they're at home. And everything. But, you know, it's going to need that to, to keep on flourishing, for sure. Um, and on that point, where, OK, you've been, 
you're still very young. I'm going to say that <laughs> my age in a way for <laughs> to most people. Um, but you've been around now. You played for Fraser for 10, 12 years, maybe a little bit more. How do you think the club has changed? Where do you think the club has, has been over that years? Where do you think it is now? Again, that's an interesting one because I feel like I've seen quite a few different ups and downs. Um, mm. You know, when I first started playing, we were in grade two, but we really weren't winning many games. You know, when I first started writing match reports, I remember we'd won, I think, our second game of the season towards the end of the year. And I turned around to Michael and asked, can I make the headline, Fraserborough win, Fraserborough win, Fraserborough win? Because it, it felt like such a rarity then. And going down to grade three, it, it felt like quite a low point. I mean, admittedly, I was only a couple of years in. I wasn't, you know, I had no idea about the struggles the club had been through in the late 90s and early 90s. Yeah. But to me at that point, it felt like quite a low moment. And then over the next couple of years, and again, I've talked about this on another episodes of this, the likes of yourself and Gary moved back up to the area. We got back Corey and Liam, you know, people mm. like Fraser hit a new gear. Colin Suter came back. All these things happened. Suddenly we were talking about a second team and we were getting promoted from grade three to grade two and competing for cups and going up to grade one. It was really exciting. And I think there was an element of the club at that point that was like, we've done it. We've reached the top of that mountain. We've got to grade one. And then once that happened, I don't know if it was about motivation when, or people just didn't care anymore. They weren't as invested. And obviously we, we slid back down pretty quickly to grade two, but the atmosphere changed as well. It's not just the results on the pitch. Um, I think there started to be a bit more division within the club for whatever reason. You know, where people were going doing their own thing, maybe weren't coming down to practice as much because of various different circumstances. I'm not blaming anybody for that. But it, it didn't feel like there was a whole load of people pulling together in the same direction. And I think we have that now. I think there's a much wider picture rather than just winning the game on a Saturday. I think the club from top to bottom now is thinking about the future. How do we get new players in? What other doors can we open? What else can we do to improve what we're doing? And that's part of the reason I did stuff like the podcast, because it's another one of these avenues that we can go down, a different offering that the club can do that we've never done before. It's something a bit different. Um, and this is a very small part in the whole project. I'm not trying to take credit for that in any shape or form. I think Michael Watson is doing incredible work yeah. with the all round stuff. Um, and the plans that the club has for the next few years, uh, I mean, I've already said, I don't know how much of a part of that I'm going to be able to be, what mm. sort of benefit I'm going to get for it. But I have no doubt that in five years, if all these things come off, the club is going to be in a much, much stronger position than it was five years ago or 10 years ago or 20 years ago. And that is a huge credit to the people involved because that wasn't always the case. There were times we were worrying even though it wasn't maybe the dark ages of the late 90s, early 90s, we were struggling for a team a lot of Saturdays at one point. Yeah. And, and we were wondering where these next players were going to come from. I don't think that's going to be an issue for the next week. while. And that is a huge benefit to the club and, and like I say, a huge testament to the people who put in that work. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and, and from my perspective, what I add to that is I'm in a situation, obviously, where I, I live a fair distance away from the club uh, and I'm 
certainly over the last couple of years, and especially this year, actually, this season, very conscious that that I, because of that, I can't contribute as much as I'd like to the club as, as much as I did when I was in the Northeast. But, you know, that's made me even more grateful for, for the work that people like Chris, Ryan, Alan, Michael, Andrew, you know, the list goes on and on Liam and Corey. But do that, for that's the part club. of it itself. The list goes on and on now. Yeah, I don't think exactly. it would have a few years ago. The list goes beyond that as well. Can you start talking about like Lisa and Donna Marie and, and you know, these are not even just players. Yeah. And then you, what, what really makes me optimistic about the future is where obviously the, the great work we're doing with the youngsters, but also in the women's game as well, because you got 50% of the population. You know, I, what, what really makes me feel sad is there's been hundreds of years where the 50% of the population have not been able to play the game. You know, anybody that's sitting in Fraserburgh, boy, girl, you know, if they're sitting there and want to play cricket and they're not able to because of outdated attitudes and bigotry, that sort of thing, that that frustrates me. Anybody that wants to play the game should be able to play the game. And I think Fraserburgh, the people within Fraserburgh Cricket Club, especially, are trailblazing what the future, especially club cricket should be, even professional cricket. And, and, and it's for me, it's great to be part of that. I know I'm not contributing as much as I'd like to, but just to, to say I know people that are doing that, to me, gives me that warm fuzzy feeling inside that 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 makes me want to come back and play for for me a, a fantastic club and 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 people like yourself and I that dip in and out of it and uh, not because of our our circumstances where we live etc and work and things like that that's even we should even be more grateful of that because you know we we, we are seeing the, the great work that they're doing and we're getting the benefits of, of doing that as well of, of all that hard work so you know hats off to everybody that does that i don't think we can overestimate just how important that is i mean just going along to the christmas thing at chris gospels you know a few weeks before christmas at the barn and you know the that they're meant to work chris and Mike and um, Lisa have put into it into one event. Mm. You know, it's 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 very humbling to to, to see uh, how much they do it. So I think the clubs in very it's probably one of the healthiest clubs in the grades. Uh, and and I don't mean that we're going to win grade one in five years time. To me, that's not success. The the fact that the club is in a better position than it's ever been in that's that's success. Um, so we're finishing the question that you always finish on as well. So if a young player came to you, as you said now, you're a senior player <laughs> at your age. You're very still much only half my Thomas. age. Yeah, okay, okay. I'm feeling very old now. But if a, if a young, even younger player came to you and asked for some advice, what advice would you give them about playing cricket, about whether to take it up or what to do, etc.? What would be your advice? So, like you say, I ask this question at the end of every episode. And more often than not, the response I get is have fun. And I don't disagree with that. But because I get that so often, I want to take a slightly different slant (laughs) on it. Uh, I I don't want to just repeat the same thing again. So based on my own experiences, what I would say is make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. Yes, have fun. And and that should be the end goal. I'm not trying to, to minimize that as well. But if all cricket is bringing you is disappointment, and frustration and yeah. you know anger whether that's at losing or your own personal performance is it really worth doing you know mm-hmm. like make sure that you're there to have fun to enjoy the game to 
obviously try and contribute. But if that doesn't happen, oh, well, there's another game coming in a week or two's time. There's other practice sessions coming along. Don't feel like you're obligated to play cricket. And this sounds like a really weird thing after I was talking about like new people coming into the club and new <laughs> doors being open, youngsters coming through. But it's only going to go badly if you feel like you're forcing yourself to do it. I think from, yeah. from my own experience. So make sure you're there because you want to be, make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. And yeah, I suppose have fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very well said. Well, it's been as always an absolute delight talking to you. I, speak, I sound like a journalist now, don't I? Uh, Andrew, <laughs> where did you get it, my it, usual it, sign off from? Where, like, <laughs> I, was just... I don't know where it, I don't know where it came from, but <laughs> it's, it's, it's been really interesting um, speaking to you about, you know life on and off the field as well so uh, and your journey both in both directions um we'll um we'll do another podcast uh, a 10-hour podcast on uh, <laughs> two spin bowlers talking about spin and how they're underappreciated that'll be for another time but that'll just be a very long session we'll have to take a bottle in uh, and have a drink while we're doing that one but it'll just be 10 hours literally of us complaining nothing about the technical <laughs> well, side of the game just... not you know <laughs> No tips to improve. Literally, just as going. Remember this game when you got taken off. I got bloody taken off after two overs. <laughs> I was I'm feeling good that day. A bloody captain. I could have built it. You know. I don't know why when I moan, I, I take on a Yorkshire accent. I was or just even about if that to say like... you were extremely Yorkshire there. <laughs> but, yeah, that that would actually. I'd enjoy that session. It would. That would. Everybody else would just go to sleep. I know that. But hey ho. But it's a spinners union. We talk about it all the time. But us spinners have to stick together. We we don't get treated right. We don't. So now that's for another day. But thank you very much, Andrew. And um, I hope everybody has listened to this podcast has enjoyed it i've certainly enjoyed this one thank you very much huge thanks to paul for taking the time to go and do that i did warn people last time around that this would be a bit of a longer episode for in my mind reasons of journalistic integrity i suppose there may be some people out there who think it was self-indulgent but i promise you that wasn't the intention behind it Uh, I honestly did not have a clue what Paul was going to ask. I gave him total free reign. I didn't see the questions beforehand. Um, I I just left it totally up to him to decide where he wanted to go with that interview, uh, with that conversation, and what he wanted to dive into in a bit more detail. So hopefully you all enjoyed that. This feels like a, a strange post-interview segment for me to be doing the podcast because I don't want to be turning around and saying that was great because it was me and you know that would be quite arrogant but hopefully some of you enjoyed that at the very least. Um, Usually at this point as well I would be starting to link into next week's episode and explaining what's going to be coming next time on the podcast but this is kind of it for season two of the interviews, at least for the Fraserburgh Cricket Club Chronicles. So huge thanks to everybody that's taken part over the last few weeks. I really enjoyed putting these together, even though it maybe took me a little bit longer to actually get the episodes out there than we'd anticipated. Uh, but fear not, because no more interviews for the next week, while it does mean that the cricket season is pretty much upon us. Uh, as we're putting this episode out, the season is due to start in around about a month. So we are intending on being back at some point in the next few weeks for a season preview. Don't know exactly how that's going to look or when that's going to drop. So make sure you hit subscribe to the podcast if you don't want to wait for us to be posting it all over social media and you want it straight 
to your feed wherever that may be because there is still going to be more podcasts to come we don't know exactly what they're going to look like we don't know exactly when they're going to be coming out but this isn't the end of the Fraserburgh Cricket Club Chronicles just a little see you later for the time being and that I think is as good a place as any for me to wrap this up on hopefully it won't be too long huge thanks again to everybody that's taken part and to everybody who's listened hopefully you managed to get something out of it um, if you want to get involved with Fraserburgh Cricket Club or learn more about it the club are on Twitter Facebook and Instagram get in touch with them there or email brockcc at btinternet.com I will put that email in the description as well so you don't have to worry about rewinding this and writing it down making sure you've spelled it correctly it's all going to be there for you and now I think it really is time for me to draw this one to a close because this is far and away our longest episode if you've made it this far once again thank you so much and we'll see you next time have a great one everybody 